Hey Dragons, welcome to episode 19 of the podcast. This week I sit down with Kara Moore. Uh, Her area of expertise is in weight loss, behavior change, and exercise. Kara has a session called Mindset, Motivation, and Changing Habits coming up Friday at 9.40 to 11.30 at Ideal World. Ideal World is one of the largest health and fitness expos in the world, and it is coming up this weekend uh, in Los Angeles at the LA Convention Center, uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Without further ado, Kara Moore, everyone. In the basement, rolling dice, rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind. In my mind, just for kicks. DM says you're gonna die. Roll a D6. Roll a D6. Roll a D6. All right, hello again, dragons. This is Kenny Rotter. Welcome to another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast where we mix nerd and fitness culture to break down barriers. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Kara Moore from moreresults.com, who has her PhD in exercise physiology, but focuses on behavior and weight loss and weight management. Um, She is going to be a very special guest at Ideal World coming up this week in Los Angeles, California. Hopefully I will get to meet her in person. I haven't gotten to do that yet, but Kara, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm great. How about you? I am doing really well. It is a beautiful day. I was just telling you that as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go outside and go hunt for some Pokemon (laughs) on Pokemon Go. It's a good plan right there. Yeah, right? So I know a little bit about you, but please enlighten uh, my audience as to who you are, what you're all about, and what you got going on right now. Sure. All right. So as you mentioned, I have my PhD in exercise physiology, but all of my work has really been in the area of helping people change their habits because a lot of people know what to do, but they just don't know how to make that possible. or they know they should work out and and yet they kind of get stuck, right? Like they keep on going for the low hanging fruit or like they're like, yeah, maybe tomorrow I'll work out or they might work out, but then don't change their diet. Well, what I've, how I, how I equate that is everybody knows what it takes to be healthy. Mm-hmm. It's diet and exercise, but knowing is not where the battle is. Exactly. You know? Knowing doesn't mean results. Exactly. And and all the ways in which we kind of self-sabotage or don't make that happen, they can be really complicated, but we can also provide people with really simple strategies for making it part of their life. Because a habit is just something that you do routinely, and when you do it enough, it becomes much more automatic. And I think everyone's always kind of waiting for, like, the magic cure or the magic elixir that's going to just make them have, you know, I have clients all the time say, I just... I want the willpower, you know, why, why can't I have any willpower? What, what is that going to take? And it's not really about that. You create that every single day through your actions and what you do and your choices that you make. And so it's really sort of just, I mean, you have to make a game of it. You have to create it so that you are much more likely to have great choices in front of you. And then you're much more likely to get that outcome that you want. Um, so that's really what I've been doing at, in all of my work for, probably for like, close to 20 years now. Um, so it's been a blast. Wow. 
And that's excellent. And it's I love I love that concept mm-hmm. because I have people have always told asked me, Kenny, where do you get the motivation? Like how like I get up at four a.m. to go to the gym, and they're like, how do you have the motivation to get up at four a.m. to go to the gym? And I tell them, what part of doing a push up requires motivation? It's the instructions for doing a push up are get on the floor, push up, repeat. Right. No, nowhere in there does it say be motivated. Um, the motivation sometimes might make things easier, mm-hmm. but for me, one of the things that I've tried to do is if there's ever a time where I'm at the gym and I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like I've got so many other things to do today, but I have the list of my routine written out. I will stay there until that routine is done because I don't need to want to be there to be there. That's excellent. Um, And that, I mean, that's just preparing, like that's just planning for it. Right. And so once we understand how we operate for you, you know, that of course it's very likely you're going to show up on some days and be like, gosh, I just want to get out of here. Like I, I don't have time for this. I don't have the mental energy for this. I'm tired, whatever. Um, but you know how to outsmart yourself. And so I think a lot of what, how we change our habits is we have to know what our tendency is. We have to know who we are and how we operate because I'm going to pull the same excuses on myself every single time. Right? So I can't just wait for that excuse to show up and be like, well, there it is. I have to, you know, now I'm going to leave the gym or now I'm going to just, you know, get fast food for dinner or not make dinner for my family or whatever it might be. Um, I have to know that that's likely to happen and then make it so that I don't end up in that spot before I get there. Proper planning prevents poor performance. Exactly. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of alliteration. I'm going to have to write that down. <laughs> Excellent. I'll shoot you an email with it uh, okay. later. Um, there's some variations that some people do. But what is the one excuse either that you always tell yourself mm-hmm. Or that you always hear from the people who are coming to you for help? Um, I would say my excuse is probably pretty comparable to theirs, and that's not enough time. I don't have time for this. Um, And, you know, when I first got my PhD and I was doing research, I I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I had no idea. And so um, I'd just be like, what do you mean you don't have time? Like, create the time. Like, make it happen. <laughs> and now I'm in this vastly different place. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and a husband, and we're both in our business together and traveling. And I'm like, oh, I, I you know, when I first had children, I had to write an apology. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, all those times, <laughs> because now I don't have time to brush my teeth. So I get it. Um, don't worry, I brush my teeth. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I found is that that's, that's the thing I hear the most is that I just don't have time. My life is full. It's busy. And I think that we do that, right? We expand whatever we're doing. We expand it to fill the amount of time we have. And so people kind of expand things in different ways. And so they do have the time, but they have to be more creative about how they're spending their time in their lives, right? Because a Odds are they're probably spending it someplace else and something that really isn't as important to them or isn't necessarily taking them toward the things that they want, but they're just not being mindful of that and they're not being aware. And so you have to take a good hard look and say, okay, I can do this. It, it is possible, you know, but for me now, 
instead of saying, I don't have time on a busy day, I might choose to go out in our front, the front of our street and, and sprint in front of my house and versus going to the gym and trying to get a workout in that way. So I'm going to be much more creative. You are totally speaking my language because I have always been the one to say, whenever, whenever I tell myself that I don't have time or whenever other people tell me that they don't have time, I say, you know, we all have just as much time in the day as Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. <laughs> and it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of priority. Like, do you want to prioritize sleeping in an extra hour and a half? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to prioritize going to the gym? Do you want to prioritize... I'm trying to think of something else. Like, an hour of playing video games or an hour of being active, going outside, doing something like that. Um, And I think that's really where sometimes people don't make that connection, that it's a matter of priority. Right. And and if they don't have a priority around a health-related goal about getting more fit or eating better or if there's not a weight loss sort of goal that's really powerful to them, then the other stuff will suck it up. It becomes a vacuum, right? So, and, and if your idea of what it takes to become fit and to lose weight and to take better care of yourself is this extreme sort of version, then you won't be able to make the time. So I know a lot of people are like, well, I have to carve out an hour to go to the gym or I have to walk for an hour. And it really doesn't require that. So if they don't have an hour, they'll eat up 30 minutes scrolling through social media, right? And <laughs> and they could have used that 30 minutes to get, get themselves one step closer to where they're headed and they just, they don't see it. No, it's absolutely, it's absolutely correct. It's, it's a, they think that if they want to become healthier, that they need to go from zero to Mr. or Miss Olympia in six weeks, you know, and that's, it's, I, I try to tell some of my friends, it, it took you 25 to 30 years to get the body you have right now. What makes you think that's going to change in six weeks or six months? I think, I think so many people are just, you know, we've been sold a message that it, that we can achieve unrealistic things in a short amount of time, right? Because everything's Photoshopped and there's these before and afters and we watch shows like the extreme loser or like, you know, these extreme weight loss shows and, and we're like, wow, like that is possible. And it is possible if you're willing to do all those sorts of things, I am um, this past fall, I was injured. And so instead of like, one of the things I love to do is I love to lift heavy things, right? And I'd love to go to the gym and I love to like slam things and, you know, tie, flip tires. And I'm all about like the bigger the movement, the better. Um, and so when I, I injured my neck and my back and I really couldn't do any upper body, couldn't do pushups, I couldn't do pull-ups, I couldn't do all the things I, that like I define my workout around. And so I, um, you know, I could have been running, I could have been doing, you know, other things. I could still be lifting lower body and I would have been fine, but I just sort of went off the grid. <laughs> like I'm injured, I'm miserable. I'm, I, I can't do the things I want to do. There's nothing for me to do. And so right after when I finally became healed and was able to get back into the gym, I had a sort of an event where I was going to be around a lot of other fitness people. And I was like, I've got to do this, right? I've got to go in there and get back to what I've, I've missed. And when, and it, I was joking, like I said to my husband, I was like, what 
is it completely unrealistic that in six weeks I could get my body back? And he was, you know, we were joking at, at with each other because even in, in my head, I've been in this field for 25 years in some way or another, teaching group exercise from when I first started to getting my PhD, and yet, and I know what it takes, and yet I can even fall, you know, prey to this idea that like, no, I know I can just hit it harder. I can just go in there and get that done. And and what ends up happening is we have these unrealistic expectations and it shapes our behavior in a way that makes us feel bad when we don't achieve those things, right? So all of a sudden we don't yes. achieve this because we don't achieve it not because we failed, but because that expectation was so unrealistic. And my mom always says that unrealistic expectations are premeditated uh, disappointments, right? We're just setting ourselves up to be disappointed. Um, Oh, and yeah. so because of that, then we feel like it's not possible. And then so then we don't want to keep on fighting the good fight because we think, hey, this thing, I, I didn't, I failed at it. I can't achieve it. Um, so it was kind of in, an interesting lesson for me this past year to kind of get to this place where I was like, oh, that's where everyone I've been coaching all these years, they're coming from it like that. But um, so, you know, even the, even the people in the industry can fall, fall prey to this idea that, if we just work really, really hard and make everything else go away in our lives, we can make that happen and it's just not a reality. Yeah, definitely. And I know I, I have struggled this past year as well, uh, A, with injury, but also um, I went on a month-long vacation, which super blessed that I get Amen to, to that. you know, yeah, right? Take, take a month vacation. But it was... There was no food off the table. There was no drink off the table. So it was just like whatever I wanted to eat or drink, I was eating and drinking. And I was eating and drinking a lot of it. Um, and so I gained in that month with and also without exercising probably close to like 30 or 40 mm -hmm. pounds, which is insane. Like that's insanity. Yeah. Um, but – and it's still a struggle trying to get most – get back to where I was because – about three months prior to that, I was probably in the best shape I'd ever been in. Um, and so you're right. Having that expectation, I wasn't going to do what I did for a month and then I was going to be able to get back to where I was in a month. Right. So it's taken me well over a year to get to there. Exactly. And I think that that just remembering that if we can remind ourselves and, and if your listeners can remind themselves that, you know what, whatever expectations I have, that doesn't matter. I need to let go of this expectation and I just need to do the work. I need to show up every day and I need to do the work and allow myself to see what happens, right? Because it's the consistency. It's what we're doing day in and day out that ends up showing up at the end of the year, not what we thought we could do in three weeks or six weeks or six months um, that determines how that year ends up. Absolutely. And so tell, tell us about one of your favorite heroes either a fictional hero or an athlete a personal hero a source of inspiration mm. gosh um well i live right now i live in louisville kentucky and uh you know it's home of muhammad ali so i mean that man probably would be one up there with one of my my great heroes um and this town adores him for all kinds of right reasons right Absolutely. Yeah, but I just love his spirit and his ethic and his ability to stand true in who he is um, and who he was throughout his lifetime and stand up for what he believed in. Because I think that, you know, this is just something I've witnessed over the past 
you know, 20 some years. I work mainly with women. I work with women of all different ages. Um, and, and I see it with, <laughs> through a lot of my female clients, I've seen it through their husbands too, that I think that going through life, it, you know, we get jobs, we start, life starts evolving, things start to happen. We buy a house, we might have a family, you know, we just start doing lifelike things and we lose a sense of who we are and all of that, right? Because the busyness of life and the busyness of day to day gets takes us away from who we truly are as a person and 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 that that childlike wonder of like that I can make that happen or anything is possible or what will I be when I grow up like this sense of autonomy and the sense of independence and so one of the things I think I like the most about Muhammad Ali is that he knew who he was and he was that person and he showed up that way and all sorts of things. And I think that that's one of the things that people most admire about him is what drove him was he was himself always. And if we believe in ourselves, if we believe in who we are as a person, then anything that we desire is possible, right? Because we believe it, we can make that happen. And um, so that would probably be my answer. Yeah. Well, and I, I absolutely agree with you. A, I love... Muhammad Ali, he is he has always been a source of inspiration for me. But it's it's a very good point. If you know who you are and you know what your priorities are and what drives you to be the best you that you can be, then A, I think this world would be a much happier and healthier place. But it also that just positivity would just kind of uh, radiate out, if mm -hmm. you will. Yeah, actively engaged in your own life, right? Invested. Oh, perfect terminology, <laughs> thank you. Because um, so many people, they live for 90 years, but have they really had right. a life? They died at 20, exactly. Right, yes. And that's that's definitely something, uh, it's actually one of the reasons why I started the podcast, is I want people to be, them, be their best selves. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that we could have a little conversation about that. But uh, you're going to be at Ideal mm -hmm. World um, this week in Los Angeles. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little brief synopsis about what Idea World is mm -hmm. and then what you're going to be doing. Okay, so Idea World is just like this, the most epic fitness conference ever. Um, it takes people from so many, all, so many different countries and all of the presenters who are in across the fitness industry. So, you know, the fitness industry has people from different things. We have CrossFit and we have people who are doing Zumba and you have people who are doing group exercise classes and you have body, you know, you have all these different things and it shows up across our country in so many different ways in health clubs and fitness studios and in small gyms and so forth. And so Idea World essentially brings all that together. So it's a great opportunity for people who are in the fitness industry to get continuing education credits to um, to learn what is like cutting edge research in terms of what's safe, what's not safe, what the cutting edge choreography is. If there are somebody who's related to dance and group exercise, kind of the safest exercises. The best part is probably the expo hall. I mean, you know, of course, I'm giving an education session, but I. <laughs> the Expo Hall is where it's at because uh, there's just so many different vendors, so many different tools and gadgets and fun things and demonstrations. And I mean, if you go there, there there's no way you could go to 
idea and not walk away inspired in some form or fashion because you're just surrounded with the best and the brightest and people who are like-minded and who are interested in the same things you are. And everyone is, it's like this big old happy, positive fitness vibe. And so, you know, the person standing next to you is going to want to strike up a conversation because they're just as interested as you are. Um, so it's a really cool event. And the expo hall has food samples, maybe? Perhaps one or two, yeah. Maybe one or two. <laughs> that was, that's, that's some of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite reasons to go to uh, health expos is people always rag on health food sometimes, but I've tried some of the samples at these expos, and they're so good. Right? Like, especially the chocolate ones, but that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my Yeah, vice. that's your weakness. Add chocolate <laughs> and you're happy. Yeah, pretty much, I believe. I believe any situation can be can be made better with a chocolate fondue fountain. Interesting. Um, I might say that about peanut like, butter, but uh, I'm not sure uh, how I feel about chocolate fondue fountains. Honestly, Reese's pieces, uh-huh. chocolate and peanut butter are it's that it's game over yeah. for me. Like I I love chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. Still, oh. yeah. And now I'm. Now I'm like, uh, when is my cheat <laughs> Speaking of, uh, do you have a cheat meal or anything where you're like, all right, calories, macros, nutrition to the wind, mm-hmm. I'm going to be eating X right yeah, now. Yeah, so I have a weekly cheat meal that is um, around pizza. So we, my husband and I have, he loves to make pizza. He's from New Jersey. He's Italian. It makes, it makes perfect sense for who he is. And I just, you know, like the food. Um, so every Friday night we've made pizza, um, sort of as a family tradition, but we'd put our kids to bed and then we'd make, you know, so we'd make them like tortilla pizzas and we'd be like, here, look at that pizza night. And then they'd go to bed and we'd like get out the dough and, and roll out the dough and make our own pizzas. Um, so we just actually put in a stone pizza oven in our backyard and it is legit like you know it has changed our pizza game forever um so that would probably be it friday night pizza um a glass of wine or a good brew and i'm i'm happy oh that's excellent and i think that definitely shows the you know you can live healthy you can work out you can have healthy habits and you can still enjoy the things that you enjoy right yeah. And I think, I think that's too often. I think people just grab whatever. And, you know, when I work with clients to help them change their eating habits, one of the things I always say, what matters, you know, because to me, there's lots of foods I could have access to during the course of the week, but I'm going to, they're going to be disappointments, right? So I'd rather just kind of save up and not feel bad at all about what I'm eating, but really enjoy it. Plus I know like when Friday's getting close, like it, it, it's great. You know, we spend tons of time figuring out what the toppings are going to be. And, you know, it, it's sort of become a thing um, that is way, way more than food. And I think that that is important because if we can create sort of either some enjoyment around the food experience from aside from the food itself, that's, that's what it was meant to be. You know, our grandparents, other generations, I mean, when they sat down for a meal, it wasn't about just what they were eating. They were engaging with each other and connecting and talking about the day and talking about things so that, that you end up getting so much more satisfaction from that meal than you were if you were just standing, you know, in your kitchen, like wolfing down a bowl of cereal, right? Like there's, there's something that's missing in those kind of experiences. And so I think 
that if we can add that stuff back in, then food becomes much more enjoyable and then we end up eating for the right reasons rather than, you know, for emotional reasons and so forth. Well, yeah, and I'm sure with Friday night pizza night, you know, sitting down after the kids have gone to bed, glass of wine with your husband, it's just a nice way to decompress from the work. Right, yeah. And and honestly, I, I'm a little jealous because I think that when your kids get older and they start partaking in the actual um, uh, a big pizza right. night, if you will, that that is going to be something that your kids are going to remember and cherish far into their future. And hopefully they'll carry, you know, they'll uh, pass it along with their families and just always have that that communal conversation. Um, time around at least one day a week. Yeah. And we, um, you know, he's Italian and he's from New Jersey and I, I have a big family. I'm from Pennsylvania. We're living in Kentucky. We have no family here. Um, and our kids are young. And so we really wanted that sense of community. And a couple of years ago, we started at the time, we didn't have the pizza oven. We started this uh, Sunday night gravy. And so I would just make like this giant fat of sauce and meatballs. <laughs> And then I put out an email to my friends and I just said, hey, we can take the first 10 adults and as many kids as we think can play well together. You guys RSVP, if you're in, show up, bring some wine, that's it. And like we, and we, I just picked the Sundays that we were in town. I was like, here's when we're doing it in January. And we had them all booked within like 20 minutes. Everyone was like, yeah, we're in. And it was like the best experience because we had a house full of people and my kids didn't care. There, there was a friends, right? And it was my friends and there was laughter and it was loud and it was all that experience that I wanted. Um, so, you know, we don't necessarily have, but I agree with you, like these memories, you know, food and, and enjoying food and enjoying other people's company, it means so much more to us than just eating, right? And when we can yeah. create that and we can feel and have that relationship with food, then I think it can be a much healthier relationship because we understand that it's it's it feeds us, but then it's also a shared experience, right? Not hiding in the closet eating the bag of Doritos, kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely, and and one of my things that people on the podcast know about me is I I love a good mm -hmm. beer. Um, obviously, in not in abundance, but you know, just one beer is not gonna hurt anybody, but. A lot of my friends are home brewers. I've met a lot of friends who work for breweries out here in LA. And it's just that conversation around a good bottle of beer is um, just unmistakable and it's it's irreplaceable. You can't you can't manufacture Exactly. Um, I have a good friend, Steve Schembaum, um, who runs a company called Game On Nation. And so it's about communications and gamifying like interaction and communication. Um, but he uh, he always says that those are kind of our coins, like the things that we keep in our pocket that are meaningful to us when we connect on those with somebody else, like it's, it lights us up, right? And when people are lit up, everything's better, right? There's much more positivity, yeah. people are much more engaged. It's, and you, we talk about ways to build motivation, but like when we're sitting on the couch and, and feeling bad about ourselves and feeling isolated, it's really hard to sort of cross that barrier. But when we are actively engaged and thinking about the things that matter to us and make us passionate and happy and alive, 
then it's sort of the ball is already rolling. So you have to always kind of think about what are the things that make you uniquely you and how do you bring those gifts to the world? And then how can you interact with other people who, who kind of lift you up because they share the same things? Yeah, that's excellent. Um, speaking of sharing the same mm -hmm. things, um, you are going to be sharing your talents with the world uh, this week. What is your schedule at Idea World? Um, and uh, what are you going to be? What are you going to be uh, doing? So on Friday morning, I'm giving a session um, at 9:40 to 11:30, um, and it is on mindset, motivation, and changing habits. So I'll be talking with the attendees about how we help people a find this elusive motivation that everyone is is after. <laughs> But then also, what are the things that tools and, and ways in which we can cultivate a positive mindset that makes it much more likely that we will stick with the routine that we create for ourselves? Um, because I, you know, I've, I, one of the things I've seen a lot is that that our mindset and the way we orient ourselves toward changing habits or changing our behaviors or changing anything in our life it makes it much more likely that somebody will or won't change, right? So if somebody, and I'll give you an example. Um, there's a, a researcher, she's out of NYU, her name's Carol Dweck. She wrote a book called Mindset, which I think should be on every single person in the country's bookshelf. Um, but she's a fascinating researcher, and she essentially says that there's two types of mindset, that there are people who have a fixed mindset, where essentially those who have a fixed mindset believe that our talents, our gifts, our abilities are essentially fixed. So you were born with a lot of intelligence, you were luckier than the person who was born with not a lot of intelligence. And so once we sort of max that out, that's, that's who we are. That's yeah. Um, and then there are other people who are born with a growth mindset who believe that you can improve, that you can change and you can, you can challenge yourself and you can grow all of those skills and abilities that no one is given God. You know, some people might have some natural, a little more natural talent, but people can work hard and hustle and become just as great. Um, and so I know for myself that when I've been coaching my husband and I for eight years here in Louisville ran a women's only fitness boot camp, And I would see that, you know, that if I, you know, for the longest time I would come in and I'd be like, I'm just going to cue everyone. So everyone's doing the move right. You know, so if somebody was doing a deadlift, I'd come over and I'd be like, okay, you know, this is what we have to work on hips back. And, you know, I'd be saying all these cues and some people would shut down because they have that fixed mindset. And so in their mind, they were doing it wrong. All they were he hearing is I'm doing this wrong. I can't do this. I'm not good. And my, in my opinion, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to help you. And, and, and so it was just, breaking them down. But once I started realizing that they were a fixed mindset, I could cue them differently. Like, I really think you're working really hard. I love how you keep on trying that. I love how hard you're working. Keep up the effort. And it's when we start to focus on the effort, not the outcome, that people end up getting better. Um, so that book is great because she has so many examples of this in young kids that, you know, they would give kids young, young kids puzzles and they, they would either um, celebrate the fact that they were so smart and they did it so fast, or they would celebrate how, how hard they worked at it. And the kids who were celebrated for working hard oftentimes would ask for a harder puzzle next time, whereas the kids who weren't celebrated for that, who were just told, like, you're so smart, look how fast you did that, you did a great job, when given the option, didn't want to go up a level because they always wanted to stay, mm -hmm. you know, in that great category. They didn't want to risk 
failure. Yes. Okay. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And are people going to, are, are you going to talk, you're going to talk a little bit about that more in depth on Friday? Yes. yes. No, maybe? I will be talking more in depth about how do, how, how do we cultivate a um, growth mindset and, and keep it positive. And then there's just other ways that I think we have easily accessible to us to create a positive mindset. One thing for sure is just being mindful and um, meditation. I don't know. Do you meditate? Um, I use an app called Headspace. I'm sure you're familiar. Um, I love Headspace. I I have found when I just meditate with nothing there, like no no guide, Mm -hmm. as it were, it's very difficult for me to stay seated for more than like three or four minutes. So, but with, with Headspace, with Andy coming in every few, few minutes and telling me something to do or to focus on, I can go for 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes. The British accent certainly helps, right? Uh, yes. (laughs) That's, I mean, I mean, if, if I asked you earlier about a cheat meal, if there was a cheat accent, like British, if a British person could ask me to do anything and I'd be like, of course, for you, anything. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Everything is cooler, um, with an accent. Which is weird because my wife can't stand his voice. Really? (gasps) Yeah. That's funny. I know. I I don't know if like maybe she had a bad experience with a British person. Uh Or what? I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, so meditation for me, it was a huge game changer. And I, um, and I think that one of the things that meditation does, and the reason it changed my life is that, you know, I, I tend to be a pretty analytical person and I always joke to my husband I'm, you know, that we need quiet time. I'm like, shh, we need, shh. like I, I could be a lost in here in my head for hours, days, whatever, you know, because I've got lots going on up there. Um, and so because of that, you know, all, all of us experience thousands of thousands of thoughts every single day. And yet we, if we start to pay attention to those, then we start to believe that they're true. Right. Um, and when we start to believe they're true, we can hang out and ruminate on them and get caught up in those. And so one of the things that meditation did that was hugely powerful is that it allowed me to hit the pause button right? To just hit pause so that a thought could go across my head and I didn't have to act on it. I didn't have to believe it. I didn't have to worry about it and become anxious. So for example, if, you know, I was working out and I had a thought that like, wow, I'm really tired. Maybe I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm, I've tweaked my hamstring. Maybe this, I can't do this. Or, you know, I would start to spend a lot of time on that and it would take away from my satisfaction, but it would also make me much more likely to like, I got to quit this workout early because I'm not really in it. You know, it would change everything that I did because I'd start to follow those thoughts. And meditation allowed me to hit pause and recognize that my thoughts are just thoughts and they don't all make sense and they aren't all true and I don't have to act on them. And, you know, that's a good thing. Um, no. I, I wholeheartedly agree I've often told people that the little voice in their head is not always a good one. Mm-hmm. And then people will be like, well, they'll be like, I don't have a little voice. What little voice? And I'm like, the little voice that's telling you to say that you don't have a little <laughs> voice, that's the little voice. Right. Well, 
you know, it's hilarious. That if, think about it. If you, if you had somebody talking in your ear incessantly all the time the way that thoughts occur in our head, I mean, you know, you would look if that person was sitting right next to you, just constantly going on and on and on and on and on. You'd be like, "Shut up!" Right? Like, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> and and the only reason we tolerate it is because it's on our favorite subject, which is ourselves, right? Like, so it's like the, the voice <laughs> is talking about us, and so we're like, "Yeah, I'll tolerate that." But I mean, that's what meditation does. It gives you a chance to just kind of get rid of that noise and that space. That space is where we can choose differently. You know, so we don't have to just kind of go along with our old habits. We can actually, once we learn to cultivate that space between thinking something and acting on it, then that's when we can, we have the power to change our habits and to choose differently and, and move forward. Yeah. And how did you, how did you discover meditation? How did you get into meditation? Headspace. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. And then I've, I've kind of shifted away from that. And now I use Insight Timer. Um, which is another okay. app, but and it's all guided meditations and it's from lots of different people and different lengths. And some of them have different topics. So they have, you know, starting your day and if you need to just de-stress or, um, going to sleep. So they have tons of different categories of meditations. Um, and then once I started expanding that, I just knew it was good. I knew that whatever was happening, I just felt better in my own life and in my own choices. And I felt I was much more aware in my choices. So, you know, it, it seems silly because I was like, how could 10 minutes a day really be shifting what I'm doing? But it was because it was just sort of like, huh, okay, this is creating space in my life. And um, so now I've, I'm up to, that, that was a couple, it was two summers ago that I started Headspace. So I've been doing it for two years now. And it's it's one of the things I do it first thing in the morning, anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes and uh now i can sit on the cushion silence even oh. um which is is you know feels really powerful to do that <laughs> that's excellent um i normally i'm using headspace right before i go to mm -hmm. bed um i will use they have a uh a, a, a sleep activity um and that's actually really helped me because it's gotten me to stop thinking about all my thoughts mm -hmm. that I go through during the day. And I'm focusing on the exercises that he's talking about. And I've been sleeping so much better. Yeah. And and it just it just totally changes your life as soon as you're when you realize how poor you were actually sleeping. Well, I think sleep is one of those, you know, we work in the area of diet and nutrition and fitness and behavior, but I've got to say like right up there and a critical thing that you have to get control of if you're not happy with your health is sleep because it is a determinant of everything, right? When we don't have good sleep, how, how is it possible we can make great decisions? Um, we can't. And, you know, how is it that we're going to be able to move our body appropriately and engage the muscles in the right way when we're feeling sluggish? We're going to make poor decisions. We're going to pick the wrong weight. We're going to go too hard or not hard, hard enough. It's going to show up in a thousand different ways during the day. And yet people just sort of overlook it like, oh, I don't need much sleep. I, I can just I can power through. Um, See, I, I, I hate sleep. You do? I, I, ab oh, I, I cannot if I could function at a hundred percent without sleep, I would I would take that choice in a heartbeat. The problem is 
you can never function at 100% without sleep. Uh, but it's, I don't feel sleep is productive for okay. me. I think, I think I could get a lot more done uh, during the day with an additional eight hours. Um, so that's kind of my love-hate relationship with sleep, even though I know you talk to any athlete, um, anybody who has a high fitness level, and they're like, diet, exercise, proper sleep, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I realize sleep is super important, but I just, I'm just like, oh. Do you get eight hours, or are you one of those people that are like, I only need five? There are people who only um, need five. No, um, I get eight. Uh, I, I go to bed at 8 p.m., wake up at 4 a.m., um, which everyone calls me a 70-year-old man, but, you know, whatever. I, I, I you know, I'm, we're in the same boat. Like, I go to bed, and it is full-on sun outside, and, uh, and you know, like, I complain about the noise outside, which are, like, kids playing in the front yard. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you people? It's oh. 8.30. And, and I don't understand how people like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or um, – other high executives, how they talk about they only sleep three to five hours a night. I just, it, it, it boggles my mind. And I want to know, is it their bodies have adapted because at one point they were forced to only get three to five hours a night. So now that their body has adapted, they can do it efficiently and effectively. Or was it the body saying, okay, we've had a REM cycle. We're fine now. Wake right. up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg. So exactly. Yeah. That sounds like you, you still trying to figure out if you can get by on less sleep. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I, I would love to get by, uh -huh. but I like, I, you know yourself. It's not like I, yeah, I, I, I can't really experiment it with it right now. I did think about, okay, spend um, three weeks getting eight hours and then three, three weeks going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, regardless of weekday or weekend, then spend another three weeks getting seven hours and 45 minutes then spend three weeks getting seven hours, 30 minutes and see if I could train myself mm -hmm. to, to use less sleep. Um, just, it hasn't been something I've put into practice. Right, not a priority. As it's not a priority to mm -hmm. me right now, but do you think my, as a, as a health professional, do you think my theory is sound? Um, I don't know. No, I think there are just genetically some people who can get by on less sleep. And so when we hear about it and we also see that they're ridiculously successful, we're like, wow, that, there's a common thing there, right? What is that? Trying to, and because everyone wants to get to the place that these people who are high achieving, high level executives have been able to do. But um, I just think that some people are like that. And maybe because they do get a few more hours, also that contributes to their success. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you look at any, any athlete and they're usually getting a majority more often than not eight hours right. of sleep. Yeah. You know? It's so, more in the business world that you see the four to five to six hour people, you know, the Elon yes. Musk and so forth. And then in that, 
in the athletic world, our body repairs itself during sleep. We need the recovery, so. Yes. Now, do you think that the business side is because they genetically don't need as much sleep or that they have their priorities organized in such a way that they also now have more time. Right. Like, like they have more time, you know, 16 hours for us. They only need, they have 20 hours and they can be more efficient with that time. So they have more time and they're more efficient. Yeah. With it. I think, I think that that's exactly it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, but I hate to, I hate to try and put limits on the people who, those of us who need eight hours, right? Yes. <laughs> Good luck that, to you no, guys. You're never going to be successful at that level. No, no, no. That's, that's not what <laughs> not we're saying at all. at all. It's not what we're saying. It was just a, just a philosophical mm-hmm. discussion. Um, okay. So what do you, um, after Ideal mm-hmm. World, or um, you have this one session Friday morning, 940 to 1130. Mm-hmm. Um, are you just going to be kind of cruising the expo hall, going to other sessions? Do you have anything else going on? Oh my gosh. On? So, well, um, I have a few other things going on just cause it's where a lot of fitness presenters and people in the industry all get together. And so, you know, it's a great opportunity to network and see each other and catch up with friends that I only get to see at these conferences who live in all different parts of the country. Um, but I always love to get in some workouts at idea because there's just, you know, there's some, some favorite presenters and some favorite people who are just high energy. They're off the hook. They're just they're to be around them. You just are fired up. I mean, you're just ready. You will leave there. I'm so excited for you to go for your first time because you will leave there and you will be unstoppable. I mean, it's just sort of like, oh my gosh, I have this huge shot of enthusiasm and inspiration and and readiness to tackle the world. So um, it's pretty cool. So I definitely always try and make sure that I get my workouts in um, by going to some sessions and uh, and and then from there, hanging out in the expo hall, meeting up with friends, being in, you know, in LA because right now I'm in the middle of the country in Kentucky. <laughs> so it's a vastly <laughs> different feel. Um, Just a yeah. little bit, yes. All right. Um, I've taken up ooh, about an hour of your time. Um, it has been such, such a pleasure. Oh, thanks. Um, so getting towards wrapping up, do you have a go-to uh, fitness resource or an app, um, something other than what you've already mentioned that helps you fulfill your goals? Hmm. You know, an app that I really like um, is Streaks. Have you heard of it? So simple. What is so streaks? Essentially, it's just a calendar. So you're going to be like, wait, you need an app for that? Um, It's a calendar, and you can put a little check mark, and it keeps track of how long you've had a streak. Um, So when I started meditating, for me, that check mark was like, boom. You know, now I've done it, and I'd love to see how long I go, how many days of meditating, and. Insight Timer, the meditation app I use, keeps track of how many hours you've done and how many days in a row, so it also fulfills that. But you can create your streak. So for example, if I wanna see how many weeks I go hitting at least five days a week of working out, I can tell them, I can tell the, the app that, and so it's keeping track of it. So it doesn't have to be single every single day. Um, but I, that's a fun one for me, just in terms of behavior, because I think that a lot of times we just, we need to be accountable and we need to hold ourselves accountable um, for the things we say we want to do. And that's a fun way of doing it. 
and if I if I can build upon that, if you take if you also if people I always recommend journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, if at some point you compare a day when you were like feeling really crummy or something happened in the journal, compare it with the calendar, and if there's a check mark or not, maybe you can start seeing some behavior as in like the days you didn't work out, you were generally less happy or less energized or or you know maybe the reverse i don't know it's just an experiment for people out there to to give it a for sure and the app actually has a note section so you can record that right in the app so you can see you can put a note associated with that day so if you weren't feeling well or you know you might have had a bad workout where you just were like at a two and you see a couple of twos in a row you know that maybe it's time for you to take the day off and 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 give your body a little more rest or whatever. So, yeah, it's a cool little app. Um, okay. I don't think there's others. Probably not. That's probably my favorite right now. <laughs> and we've already been kind of gushing about it a little bit, but I also recommend Headspace to, to everybody. Oh, here's a good one. Um, the Rock Clock. The Rock Clock. Talk to me. I don't know what this is. The The Rock Clock is – are you familiar with the actor Dwayne yeah. Johnson? Yeah. Oh, wait. The, okay, the my husband has this on his phone. Yes. It's just an alarm yeah. clock, but there's no snooze button. And the rock sings to you so you wake up. And then as soon as you hit the the wake up button, it takes you to your goals page. And it has a motivational status from uh, Dwayne Johnson, from The Rock. And then it says your goal and what day of like the goal you're on. So it's like if you're on like day 22 of learning a new language or starting a podcast or working out or something like that, it says, you know, uh, day 22, start a podcast, get after it. And, and it's just, it's such a little mm-hmm. app that it, it, it doesn't do a whole lot, but it's just a daily reminder as soon as you open your eyes um, of what you want and what your goals are. And it reminds you about why you're doing what you're doing. Exactly. And that I love that. I, I didn't realize it did all that. He, he told me about it. Um, and he was like, oh, I added the, the rock clock. And I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, whatever. Um, I didn't pay attention, but I love the rock. I love Dwayne Johnson. So um, now I'm interested. But one of the things I think that's so great about is that it's important in the morning to set, I always tell people to set an intention for the day. Like, what is it that you want to do? If we're going to be actively engaged in our own lives, then you can't just have the alarm clock drag you out of bed in the morning and just start going through the motions. So you have to set sort of an idea of how you want to be that day, you know, how you want to show up. And if you're going to have a challenging day at work and it's going to be, you know, just a boring, long, hard day. You know, how can you make that a little more exciting by deciding how you're going to be in that moment or in, or in those hours? So he, him taking you to your goals page, I think, automatically sort of sets that intention around, yes, I can still stay after this. So Yes, it's, it's so great. Um, where can people connect with you um, social media-wise or anything like that if they have any questions or they just want to reach out, get more information. Got it. Um, so our website is moreresults.com and more is spelled M-O-H-R. And then we also have um, uh, probably the social media we use the most is Instagram. 
where people can get tons of um, nutrition information and recipe and meal ideas and so forth. And so that's just more results on Instagram. And then we have a more results Facebook page too. So. All right. Excellent. And I will be linking everybody to those pages from the show notes page along with uh, hopefully links to the books we've mentioned, the apps we've mentioned, um, the ideal world where you, excuse me, where we can, where, uh, where everyone can find you and find other things going on at ideal world. Cause there really is, uh, something for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Um, finally, uh, do you have any advice for anybody out there listening? I think just start. My advice would be just start, take action today. And there's always something that you can do. So even when it feels like the day has gotten away from you and there's not something you can do, you can go out for a 15-minute walk. You can go out and walk down to the end of the block. You can do get down to the floor and do some push-ups. You know, do something every single day to take yourself closer to your goals, and, and don't assume that you just need to wait for the next best time. Right now is always the best time. Oh, so true. We, we, you and I definitely speak, speak the same language there. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's it. We covered a lot of ground. That was good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I absolutely had an, I had a total blast talking to you. It's always wonderful when you run into, uh, like-minded individuals. It really gets that glow that you were talking about earlier. Exactly. Well, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. And hopefully I'll see you at IDEA. I hope so. And to everyone out there listening, thank you again for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Uh, I love tuning in with y'all every week. Um, Reach out to me if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about. Let me know. You guys know where to find me. Other than that, everyone out there, work out, nerd out. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.